With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tennis.com podcast Inside the Tour. I'm Nina Pantic, and this is going to be a really interesting episode because it's going to be me, my co-host, Irina Falcone, and ATP player Jared Hiltzik talking about the new ITF World Tennis Tour. The new tour started in January of 2019. It replaced the ITF Pro Circuit Tour, and for a minute there, it was called the ITF Transition Tour. There's been a lot of transitions, to say the very least. Jared's kind of become the spokesperson for players trying to fight back against the changes to the ITF. In February, he tweeted out, It's tough playing some of my best tennis right now, and number 350, I can't get into any challengers. At this point in my career, is it worth it to play futures, or am I just taking away opportunities from other players who are just starting out? To sum it up as best as I can, the ITF has split aggressively from the ATP Tour, meaning that at 15Ks and 25Ks on the ITF Tour, you're largely being awarded ITF ranking points, no ATP points. The winners of uh, 25Ks will get an ATP point, 1, 3, or 5, but largely it's going to boost your ITF ranking. Then when you try and enter an ATP Challenger, which is the 50Ks and higher, you need to have an ATP ranking or a very, very, very high ITF ranking because only a few spots on the acceptance list are saved for ITF ranked players. So that means Jared, a 24-year-old ranked in the 300s, is in a very weird no-man's land because his ATP ranking isn't high enough to get him into ATP challengers, but then his ITF ranking isn't high enough to secure those coveted few spots in the ATP challengers saved for very high-ranked ITF players. He pretty much has to start all over again and build his ITF ranking. Jared really explains it the best. He says that the average ATP challenger cut has been number 344, and he's just outside that. In order for him to get from 355, which is what he was when we spoke, to 344, he needs 15 points. With the new tour, he has to win five $25,000 tournaments, which is 25 matches, to jump those 11 spots, or just three rounds of an ATP challenger. But of course, he can't get into the challengers because his ITF ranking is too low. Last year, winning a $15,000 ITF tournament, which is the smallest ITF, earned a player 27 points which would bump you up about 40 spots in the ATP rankings. And that's just gone now. So he's in like a very awkward no man's land, trying to figure out what his next play will be. At one point in the conversation, we do mention that the ITF made some changes reverting back. Um, But that email came out in March, and it only impacted women's players, doubles players, and juniors largely. So it doesn't really affect Jared. Okay, I think that's enough of me trying to summarize something that is still very confusing. But Jared Hiltzik does a great job of explaining it in layman's terms. Um, Let's jump into that interview. It's me, Irina Falcone, and Jared Hiltzik talking about the ITF World Tennis Tour. We have Jared Hiltzik here, who is a ATP player, who is pretty much going to tell us a little bit about what you're doing and tell us why you're the it man for this whole ITF transition tour. I mean, 
one tweet you said. Mm-hmm. What was the tweet about? Yeah, so the tweet was when um, I was ranked around 350 in the world uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was a tournament that just got canceled. Um, and that was kind of my last chance to get into this tournament because there's a cutoff three weeks before. So it takes up your ranking from three weeks earlier the tournament. And I saw I wasn't going to get into this tournament now because they canceled it. And it was kind of the last hurrah where it's like, all right, well, I can't get into anything now. So it's pretty difficult coming from my perspective where I'm playing really good tennis, but I can't play in a tournament that makes sense for me to play. What are some of the, I guess, the basic facts? Like if you're going to try and explain to someone, you have an elevator pitch, they call it, Mm -hmm. explain to someone what this ITF world tennis tour is. How would you explain it? So usually my first... When someone asks this exact question, I'm like, are you familiar with golf? That's my first question. And if they say yes, then I say, all right, well, it's like the web.com tour with golf, how you have to, there's a lower level and then the higher level was PGA tour. Um, and that's kind of what the ATP and ITF are trying to do is kind of create this lower level tournament schedule where you play the certain tournaments in order to get into the higher ones. And which is fair. It's a good idea. I mean, if, their idea is to get 300 to 350 players for them to make money, then that's that's good. Uh, but unfortunately, it, tennis is a little bit different than golf in the sense where the career longevity is a lot different um, just because of physicality, the nature of the sport. So with tennis and golf, um, you can drop down and play the web.com tour in golf for a year. You still have 25 years on tour. Tennis, it's kind of a trickier position. That was a pretty long elevator pitch. But, uh, <laughs> it um, was a long elevator. We're going yeah. up to the floor. Yeah, you're good. It's a slow elevator. <laughs> okay, so what if, you, uh, if you're not familiar with the golf mm-hmm. tour, how would you... Would it be any different? I mean, that was pretty... Actually, I understood that. That was like the first time I've actually understood it. But yeah. do you actually dumb it down even more? <laughs> so I would say... So there are two different sets of rankings. If you make it to the high level of one, then you can get into the other one. So if you get in the high, if you get ranked top 30 in the world ITF, then you can get into challengers. It just, it just seems like a very bizarre, abrupt change because you're 24 years old, you're ranked in the 300s, you're kind of trying to make your way through and all of a sudden everything changes. It just seems so unfair, right? Mm -hmm. But do you think there's a chance 10 years down the road, everyone would be like, oh, this is the way it should have always been or no? You never know. I mean, change is always scary. I mean, I went through one college too when they announced no ad scoring and double sets to six. Everyone was freaking out. Um, at first, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, no ad scoring. It's going to be so lucky. But as time went on, I actually liked no ad scoring. I thought it got you better and made you kind of more um, alert from the beginning. But with this change right now, kind of too drastic where the ITF tour and ATP tour, there's too far away from each other. Um, there's no real middle ground for guys in my position and in my brother's position where if you're in this 350 to 500 range, the point totals in the transition tour events don't make sense because they're so low, but then you can't get into challengers. So it's like, what do you do? Um, and then for my brother, it's, it's, I mean, you're top 30 college player and now you can't even get into qualifying of the futures. But someone will say, oh, if someone just looked at your ranking, they'd say, oh, you're 350 ATP, you're 300 ITF, like, 
sweet, that's great. But the issue is that only the top ITF players are benefiting from mm-hmm. this. I yeah. mean, that's the key. That's mm-hmm. what no one, I think, is understanding. It's like, your ranking looks the same. What's the problem? But it's yeah. like, no, actually, the way you're entering at the tournament is what's mm-hmm. changed. Yeah, and then the ITF tournaments, um, the way you get in is based off your ATP priority. So you can drop down, and, and the ITF guys can't even play it. So it's it's very mixed and difficult. So we've spoken about a lot of the cons. Who is it benefiting? Would this tour benefit anyone? So it's benefiting the guys who played primarily challengers last year and stayed in the top 300. Those guys, I mean, if you're in these tournaments, it's great. You don't have to pay for hotel. Things are great if you get into these tournaments. It's the small challenger draws where, qualifying draws where, if you don't get in, that's the difficult part. It helps guys who um, played challengers last year and the guys who only played futures and did well last year. Interesting. And then they also reserve spots for juniors and apparently two nationally ranked players, which I guess is good for them, but mm-hmm. it kind of takes spots then away from you. Yeah, and with the junior part, it, I mean, it really benefits kids and families that have a lot of money and that can travel to every ITF because that's really what it is now. If you can't travel to ITF, you're not going to get that top 100 ranking. That's been one of the things that I've heard a lot from people It's that um, all the rich kids and all the people mm-hmm. that have the ability to travel have that advantage. Um, I know, actually, Tony Nadal like, was very mm-hmm. adamant about it. Um, so they're they're getting some big people to actually speak out about it. Has the ITF made any changes? I know that there were some changes made last night, I believe. Yeah. Um, does that affect anything, or were they just changes kind of just to, like, butter people up? So I think them doing changes is good. It means they're listening which that's all you can ask for right now is for them to listen to the players and kind of see what's been going on. Um, from my point of view, they seem a little minimal. Nothing for someone in my position, it doesn't affect me, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's mainly ITF changes. Right. Man. So if you had a choice, uh, would you have changed it at all? Would there be any changes that you would be doing if you had that capability to make some? I think... The idea of having 300 to 350 players make a living is great, but it's just the way to do that, which I don't know how to do that. Last year, I towards the end of the year, I put myself in a good position to do well. It is what it is. It's definitely weird because when I look at the ITF top 100, I don't know anyone in there. Yeah. And it's it just seems so dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact, But the fact that they're making these little changes, like I, the email that they sent to us says... They've changed the qualifying draw in like women's. This is, I mean, it's not men's, but still, they're changing the qualifying draw back from back to thirty two from twenty four. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're reversing changes is kind of weird. It means like, oh, maybe they've noticed. Hey, actually, you've gone a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. So they, that's good. They've been running data, and they. I mean, I think they're going to continue to dissect all that and just kind of see where things are going. Was the, any of the the plans to make all these changes were players asked, or I mean, how did they they suddenly decide to like change the whole? Life? tour so i don't know i don't know um i know that last year it was kind of in when would it have been march or april when it was kind of announced um and at the time of it being announced i beginning of the year i made round 16 to two challengers and quartered one so when i heard these new cha- new changes like yeah challenger points are going to count and futures are not i'm like well i'm doing great in challengers right now if i'm just going to continue to do this um then we kind of got these shadow rankings. They'd say, all right, you're going to see where you're going to be ranked as if it was right now 
next year, this is what your ranking is going to be. And in November time, it was, I was getting these emails and it was like 270, 280, 275, 276. I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm going to be 276. But what I didn't understand until now is that those rankings that they were showing was still showing your tournaments for that year. It wasn't saying like, this is with these tournaments dropping off because it's a one-year system, one-year point system. Mm -hmm. So when I was getting these ranking updates in November, it was still showing the tournaments from November 1st to November 30th, where I accumulated 20-something points last year, which I didn't know. So then when December shadow ranking came out and showed me as 350, I was like, wait, how does this make sense now? So it kind of felt like a little switch and bait. It just seems like you don't know what's going to happen, and that's hard to plan. This is your career. I mean, this is what you're trying to make a living doing this, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, things are just kind of being pulled out from under you. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the long run, this will be good, but maybe it won't. How do you plan? Like, let's say, in the next coming weeks, how are you planning your schedule? Are you entering? I mean, I know it's like the PIN system where you put, like, your priorities, and then you just kind of hope the best. Yeah, so kind of the beginning of the year, I was being pretty selective. Like, all right, I'm going to go here and here, because what's the point of me traveling all there? But in talking to coaches, it's like you're signing up for six tournaments and we're seeing where you get in and that's kind of what it is now. And I mean, I had ITF responded to one of my tweets or something about you could have played in seven of the first eight challengers this year. And so I'm like, all right, let me see where these would have been. And it had me going from Orlando to Canberra to Germany, back to the States, back to the States to Uruguay, to France, to Mexico, to Japan. like So casual schedule. Yes, like zero sense. I think that that's one of the biggest um, constant complaints, both from the ATP and the WTA tour, I think more on the WTA tour, because if you see the ATP calendar compared to the WTA calendar, I mean, the men just have so many more options, Mm -hmm. and I think everybody knows that across the board. And there's been times where it's like, wait, so you're telling me to go from Australia to... Japan and then the States back to Dubai. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And that's the constant complaint. Well, it's the travel schedule does not make sense. So then, okay, we, we need more tournaments. But at the end of the day, it's just like, who can put the money up to make the tournaments? Exactly. It's just a constant. It's a catch-22. It's like, okay, no travel schedule. Okay, well, then we don't have another tournament available for you. So what do we do? But I didn't think the system... I mean, I didn't think the system was broken. Like, when I was playing it, you went, you entered these 10Ks in Mexico, wherever we went when we were, like, 16. You're on an alternate. You hope you get in. You qualify. You get a point. You start building. It just kind of made sense. But I guess the issue was there was too many players and too many people that were just going to, like, Nigeria and playing 10Ks in a row and then getting these rankings that aren't real. I mean, I don't understand what, what was broken. But my thing is, if you go to Nigeria and get all these points, it's like... It's the the cream rises, right? Like right. you're either good or you're not. Like even if you get ten points in Nigeria or wherever, like you're not going to be top two hundred from that. Yeah, from it's like 10Ks. What, yeah, it's like all right. So because that's a valid question with going to Nigeria, because I know guys who went to play the twenty five plus H's there because it was thirty five ATP points. It's like okay, well if you do really well there, what are you going to go back next year and try and defend those points? So it kind of gives you this. I mean, like Braden Schneer did it, and he did really really well there, and he was able to continue that momentum going forward and get into higher tournaments, but it's a risk that he was willing to take and it, it succeeded for him. Right. Not everyone has that like momentum, I guess. You're just in shock about it. <laughs> well, I, I think the hardest part would be these point things. And I watched this video, right. And it was supposed to explain to me idiot proof. And it was a long video. It was like yeah. an ITF video. It was like six minutes. 
and it explains, breaks down what's going to happen. It has all these color codes and these graphs. And I was like, surely I'll understand. Yeah. At the end of it, I still kind of didn't understand, but I feel like if you're playing it and you're living it by the end of this year, like I feel like in one year, if you talk to you, you'll have so much more clearance of like what you've been through. But that's not fair because then you've lost a year that you've spent trying to figure out what on earth is happening. Yeah. And then they're changing things every week. It just doesn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And it's, it's like, all right, their first statement was we want to have 750 ranked professional players like that. So when they say that is, but they only want to pay 350. Okay. So we have that. And then I did some number crunching last week and I looked at guys ranked from 300 to 400 in January and where they were ranked come March in that three month period. And then I did 400, 500, 500, 600, 600, 700 and see how many made it up to the next level in ranking. So if you're 300, 400, how many made it to top 300 and vice versa. So last year it was 20 out of every group. 20 people from 300, 400 made it to top 300. 20 people from 400, 500 made it to top 400. 20 people from 500, 600 made it to top 500. 21 players from 600, 600, 700 made it to top 600. And this year it's been seven, eight, nine, and three. Wow. So it's just the math. Those are drastic numbers. So it's made the ability for players to make the next jump up much more difficult. Because, like, right now, if my ranking today was 380, but let's say when I was 350, when I was 355, the average challenger cut this year has been 344. In order for me to get from 355 to 344, I need 15 points. So I'd have to win five futures to jump up 11 spots. Oh, my. See, when you put it that way... That makes wow. sense, and that's that's tough. Or I just have to win three rounds in Challenger. Yeah. So and how many matches would you have to re- win in Futures? That would consist 25. of 25 matches. Compared to three Compared in a Challenger. Three, yeah. Just so three matches. That is also, it just goes to show the disparity in the points comparison. They don't understand how many more points you get just from one round at like a slam compared to just one round at a challenger. Like people just don't really understand that. Not even talking the money difference too. You're going to make a lot more money at a first round qualifying the slam Mm -hmm. than you would winning those three ITF. Mm -hmm. And so in a future, you don't get your hotel paid for. In a challenger, you do. Correct. And future, you pay an entry fee. They're pretty much in their version. They're trimming the fat. Yeah. And they're cutting jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the problem. Why not just, I would say, why not just let the people that want to be ranked a thousand let them let them be ranked a thousand maybe because of money they don't have for the tournament yeah but then it creates more work for them is that what the reason is is that are they i don't just... know i don't know look i classify myself as a professional player i have beaten top guys in top 150 i've done well on challengers um but there are some players out there that you kind of look at and you're like i don't know if you should be doing this but i mean it's not it's tough for me in that position to say that. I mean, everyone has to live out their dream, obviously. Um, and after a while, kind of come to your senses, like, all right, this isn't for me. Um, so I didn't really see the whole problem with that, except from like a kind of an ego perspective. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like the age old question. Like, how do you consider what's it considered a professional player? Yeah. I mean, I was playing some futures a couple of years back and I mean, there's a guy at 70 years old playing next to me. Yeah. But I don't mind that. I'm like, there's a, there was like a 65 year old woman playing 10 Ks and 25 Ks all over Southern, um, the U S 
I mean, she's losing O and O, but I'm like, let the woman do her thing, man. But at the Beat same her time, o o, does great. it help the sport? It though. doesn't help the sport. That's no, the problem because it isn't helping the sport as a no. fan. Be like, why am I watching this 60 year old lady? Taylor Townsend beat her O and O. What's the point? Are you right? Yeah, you're right. I know who you're talking about. She Which played is, her in yeah, it doesn't Alabama. Help. Yeah. It doesn't help the sport. It That's doesn't. But what's what was your story? So you went from college, you played at Illinois, mm-hmm. right? And then do you, did you want to go pro before when you were doing the college into the pro tour, making a real crack of it? So kind of in high school, I didn't really have pro aspirations. Um, I wasn't that highly recruited and ended up going to Illinois because um, it's kind of one, one big school that really took interest in me and then had a good freshman year and it was like, all right, this this is actually doable. And then my sophomore, junior year, I uh, final couple futures and I'm like, all right, yeah, so I'm going to go pro tour and move down to Florida and train with my coach there and coach from juniors, Billy Heiser. And that was kind of my path. Did you finish school or you her pro early? No, finished. Oh, nice. Okay. No offense. <laughs> Not taken. I finished school. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then you moved, where, where were you born and based before, before college? Chicago. Okay. That makes sense. And then you moved to Lake Nona. I moved to Tampa for a year. And then when the USCA facility opened up, it was kind of a no-brainer to move there with the facility and everything. How close do you guys live together? About five five iron away. (laughs) 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 No, That's uh, good. I like that. That's good. Down the block. Yeah, it's not bad. All right, but then looking ahead to your year, you're still going to be based there. You're still going to train. I mean, nothing really changes in terms of like your day to day of committing to the sport. You're not. You're not. Are you super turned off? Or you're, I mean, you're still going to. You don't know what your next tournament's going to be. It's really hard to keep up that motivation. I mean, I go through practice days just existing out there, just because you don't really know when your next tournament's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then I saw two tournaments that I was going to get into, and they got canceled. And then it's like, all right, well. This is really tough, but I mean, I'm playing really well. I'm competing, and I was sitting down with Bjorn the other day, and he goes, "Dude, you just gotta go out and play right now. You're playing too good right now. Just be doing nothing." He's like, "You're playing top hundred tennis right now." So then you're gonna go and try and play futures tournaments because you have nothing else. Yeah, which was kind of I was gonna go out to Calabasas and play that, and just for fun. That's the hardest thing. I mean, you're 24, so you're still really young, but I think the hardest thing is at any point to have to go backwards and play these smallest tournaments. It's just so mm-hmm. hard mentally and just... Which in the old system was okay because you still had 27 points to if you win a Futures. Like, if you win that, you're moving up 40 spots in the ranking system. And that's why I did not I played Houston at the end of last year because I'm like, all right, I want to do well here, but also gain momentum and then go into the Challenger indoor season where I usually do pretty well. And you can't do that anymore. It makes no sense. I've seen on Facebook the petitions and groups trying to rally against and make changes and, and, and kind of create a movement. Do you think there's any hope in this? There's already been changes. There's been changes. There have been changes. I mean, as players get involved, I mean, the players keep the sport going. Um, changes have been happening. I think a lot of suggestions or things are repeated a lot. Little, I don't know. There's a lot of mumbo-jumbo that's going on in those. Um, but... Some points are pretty valid. Man, I mean, this kind of opened my eyes. Right, like I didn't know it was, it was this bad. Because it doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect us, especially now. Like just hearing about it, it's different. Getting someone like Tony Nadal to to actually come out and say something, I think, was huge. Yeah, because it's, for example, the college thing mm-hmm. when they changed that all. Yeah, people fuss, but it wasn't like people were actually getting big time 
players and big time people come right. in and say, Hey, this needs to change. Right. So there's a Facebook group against that too, but I thought those changes were less shocking, obviously. Because it's a livelihood over here. Yeah. Over there it's like it's you're like playing you're, yeah. for a team. Like it's completely different. So oh man. That's drastic. It is. Uh, but I mean it's good that you're kind of stumbled upon being the, the the face of this, but it's good that someone is creating a movement because if coaches like Tony Nadal, for example, is a perfect example. He's now working with other players, not Rafa. So he cares because he's working with younger players, like players are ranked 400 mm-hmm. and he wants them to succeed. And he's like, what the heck is this? So, and it's good to explain what on earth this is because I feel like it's just, I'm, I mean, I get it more now and talking about it and going over it is good. And these graphics could be a little smoother, but it, you know, needs to be very clear. I guess thank you for explaining it to us because, like, I think this is the first time I've actually understood it. I, I got an email from someone the other day, and, like, she did her best to try and explain to, to me it. But I think, like, once you actually listen to it and put mm-hmm. your situation into it, it makes sense. So And you're living it, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that things go better, and I hope that things do change the way you want them to and that you, you can succeed on mm-hmm. this new tour. I mean, even if the ITF thinks this is the way to go and they stick with their guns and this is the new thing, then... Fine, but hopefully people can can still have success they want and achieve their dreams the way they want and not be struggling. I hope you get a wild card somewhere. It's a massive. Yeah, wild cards are crazy right now. Wild cards are like gold. They really are. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky. Cool. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Okay, so that's it for this episode of Inside the Tour, the Tennis.com podcast. I hope that that helped give some clarity into what the ITF World Tennis Tour is and how it's impacted players. I think he does a great job of explaining it and really trying to break down what the issues are and what his problem is and how he has to fight so hard against this new opponent that he didn't really expect. So thanks for tuning in. I've been Nina Pantic, joined by my co-host Irina Falcone on the Tennis.com podcast, Inside the Tour. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.